The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, I guarantee you are in the right place. Stick around for the next 57 minutes and learn. The buzz today, I've got a triple buzz here. Well, maybe I do. Evolve, evolving, and evolution. Let me explain. We find ourselves right now in the middle of a tech-driven fourth industrial revolution, and two new game changers have emerged. We've identified complexity, and we've identified speed. Let me tell you a little bit about them. Complexity, think about the Internet of Things. Think about big data analytics. Think about wearable devices, real-time business, connected cars, connected refrigerators. Think about so much complexity. This requires your business to have a network-focused digital business model. Do you have one yet? Let's leave that question on the table. Number two, game changer, is speed. We have rapid innovation. We're seeing creative leaps in technology no one ever imagined maybe days ago, months ago, years ago. We see a new breed of investors. That's where the money comes from. They can cut the lifespan of your business model from what used to be decades You set it up, you did it, it lasted, to now down to perhaps a few years. It's just a rolling cycle. Has this happened to you? So the big question on the table, perhaps the money question is, are you prepared to be as agile and quick at evolving and managing your company's business models as you are at handling your business processes? Very important question. The experts speak. I have a great panel today. Let me get started. First up, a returning guest is Peter Mittemeyer. He's the head of business innovation and transformation at EMEA at Business Transformation Services, SAP. And Peter sent me a very interesting quote from William Shakespeare's play, As You Like It. Here's the quote. Time travels at different speeds for different people. I can tell you who time strolls for, who it trots for, who it gallops for, and who it stops cold for. And just let me say that As You Like It was written in approximately the year 1600, and it follows the heroine Rosalind as she flees persecution in her uncle's court. Accompanied by cousin Celia, she went and found safety and love, of course, in the forest of Arden. Peter Minnemeyer, welcome. How are you? I'm very well, Bonnie. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining me. Tell me about this very interesting quote, and how did William Shakespeare and Rosalind and Celia find themselves on Game Changers Radio? This is what I really want to know. Go ahead. Thank you. Yes, for me, it's, um, you know, Shakespeare said time travels for different speeds of um, different people, and Rosalind and all the other characters were very different people with very different agendas, finding themselves in very different situations, but heading for the same goal. So any business um, 
basically finds itself in this in the same situation in its industry and time travel can be translated into speed of innovations and some industries require more speedy innovation at the moment than others and um, therefore time also travels different on different speeds for these businesses for some it already gallops gallops for some mm -hmm. um, it's about to stop cold for and for some they're just starting to stroll and and um, run a little bit so um, for me, that reminded me greatly of that uh, of that play that I've seen a year and a half ago in London. And um, speed, of course, is one of the big game changers and uh, and simplicity. So um, trying to get into a uh, situation that you can control, where you have a, a, a simple um, structure that you can be um, beating all these challenges that complexity throws at us. Thank you. So Very good explanation, Peter. I appreciate that. Uh, I, there's something so, something so knowing about this quote, uh, the idea that time travels at different speeds for different people. I think in life in general, it really applies. Very telling statement. Thank you so much. And I have to welcome uh, Rosalind and crew and William Shakespeare to the show. Shakespeare's been on our shows before, but never Rosalind. So thank you very much, Peter. Appreciate you joining me back again on the radio. Let me introduce a new guest to Game Changers Radio. It's Dr. Hashem Maya. He's head of SAP Business Transformation Services. I'll leave it at that. It's a long title. He sent me a quote from Werner Heisenberg, a German theoretical physicist and one of the key pioneers of quantum mechanics who published a breakthrough paper way back in 1925. We're getting toward the 100-year anniversary of that paper. And here's the quote. What we observe is not nature itself, but nature exposed to our method of questioning. Another great one. Dr. Hashem Maya, welcome. How are you today? I'm very fine. Thank you very much, Bonnie. Thank you for joining me. Talk to me about your quote, interesting selection. So I chose this quote because I'm a physicist myself. So, and I like it very much because it shows at the end the limitations that we set to ourselves through the way that we that we, uh, that we uh, approach things, meaning we limit ourselves by the methods that we are using. Why I've chosen it, as we are talking today about business model innovation, right. basically it's about really trying to understand how further we need to go to the current method of thinking and addressing things in order to really understand what the potential is behind a business model innovation. Between the new technologies, you mentioned that already, talking about Industry 4.0 with the Internet of Things for it, and how, what do we, do we need to change in our way of thinking and approaching things in order to leverage completely the new opportunities that come up? That's Thank why you I'm very much. Thank you. I'm, I'm so intrigued by the second part of this question, uh, Hishem, the, our method of questioning. Isn't that always true in, all, in research? Isn't this the basis of research? It's only what you find is based on the questions you ask, your method of questioning. Isn't this a mantra for life? Absolutely. But that's also what brought physics, for instance, forward. And that's why quantum mechanics and why Werner Heisenberg is one of the pioneers of quantum mechanics, because he changed completely the way of seeing the world. He didn't apply the classical mechanic way of thinking, but he changed it by introducing uncertainty relationships and another way of thinking. And this, I think, is also valuable for business, for everything in life, basically. 
Thank you very much. Great quote, great introduction, and it's a pleasure to have you on our panel today. I've seen pictures, Thank by the you. way, of you and Peter Mittemeyer uh, presenting at various conferences on the web. I saw them on <laughs> when I did my Twitter research, so so there. Uh, looks like we have a, a two, a dynamic duo, and we're going to bring in the third one and make it a dynamic trio. It's Michel Serrier, who just happens to be one of the sponsors of this series, and he's, I think you've been on the show before. Michel Serrier is Global Head of Service Innovation for Global Services at SAP, and Michel has brought me a quote from Anatole France. Anybody remembering France lived from 1844 to 1924. He was a French poet, journalist, and novelist, but perhaps most important, he was considered in his day the ideal French man of letters. And I'm not sure exactly what that means, but it must have been something very, very significant and iconic. Here's the quote. To accomplish great things, we must not only act, but also dream. Not only plan, but also believe. Great quote. Michel Serrier, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing fine, Bonnie. Thank you. Thanks for, for joining me. Talk again. to me. Yeah. yeah. So the, the reason why I, I, I chose that, uh, that quote from Anatole France is, is twofolded. One is it's basically, I'm not going to say the mantra by, by which I, I try to act in the function that I have in, in innovation. But, uh, but it's also something that it's becoming more and more important to all the companies we work with. Um, is that it's not just about having the capabilities to um, to innovate or to think ahead. It's also having the willingness, which is a bit like uh, when you you. Um, I'm going to say when I go to the North Sea and I'm I'm, I'm on the beach and um, I want to go swim but the cold the, the water is too cold. Then it's for me then the, the question: Do I put my my foot in the water and then progress from there, or do I just um, still think about it and go into the cold water? And I think that's, uh, that's becoming, coming back to what, um, to what Peter was saying at the beginning with Shakespeare, is that the, the, the time is clicking, and it, it, uh, even though a day has 24 hours, and when we look at, the, at our watch, it goes in, in a circle, mm-hmm. it's, still, it's still in a line, and there is an end. And if you don't um, start moving, then you stand still, and you, get, um, you, you, you don't progress anymore. You regress. Thank you, Michelle. I, I'm thinking that the three of you have brought me such inspirational quotes. We could forget about the topic of evolving business models and just talk about people who love great inspirational quotes because from the Shakespeare quote to the Anatole France quote to the Werner Heisenberg quote, we really have set up some mantras for life. I keep using that word, but it seems so true. But I have a very important question about life for the three of you. I'm going to go back to Peter Mittemeyer and ask, where are you calling from? What time of day or evening is it? And what's in your cup right now? Or what are you drinking right now, Peter? Or what do you plan to drink after the show? So let's find out a little bit about the life of Peter Mittemeyer. Talk to me. I'm uh, very boringly in uh, the middle of Germany um, <laughs> in our headquarters. And actually, I'm drinking, um, I'm drinking a very old-fashioned cup of coffee. But what I'm dreaming about at the moment is... Uh, something I had for the first time a few weeks ago uh, with a cup of coffee called this Fogliatella Santa Rosa, which is a tiny little pastry the nuns of the monastery in Santa Rosa in, near Amalfi have uh, invented. And if you ever get a chance to taste this, this is heaven on a plate. So uh, it's not important anymore what's in the coffee cup, but it's what in this, um, uh, in this little pastry full of cream and marinated cherries. So um, I'm again, oh. as last time, dr- dreaming about Italy. Bonnie, I'm sorry. 
That's okay. That's a good dream. That's well. That goes back to Michelle's quote from uh, Anatole France: uh, "Not only plan, believe; not only act, but dream." I I have to tell you, Peter, I'm ready to accompany you on a trip to Italy to get those pastries right now. You have me dreaming very far away from the idea of business models, but we will stay focused. Yes, we will. Thank you so much, Uh, Hisham Maya. Where are you calling from? What time of day or night? And what's in your cup? Or what are you dreaming about? Yeah, so I'm I'm calling from Dubai here, yeah, from the United Arab Emirates. It's uh, 6:13 p.m. and the weekend is going to start. We have our weekend here on Friday and Saturday. So uh, what I'm drinking, I'm drinking Turkish coffee, which is basically the opposite of the coffee to go. So I hate coffee to go, and I really love the old tradition of sitting down and having really a good coffee that helps me to relax, to 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 dream, and to and, and just to forget about the, the stress around. So Dubai is a very vibrant city, never sleeps, mm-hmm. there's a lot of noise, a lot of dynamics around, and having really this traditionally made Turkish coffee that really helps you to, to, to settle down and to, to, to get a really a good, a good rest. And in addition, so after drinking it, you can read you know, in the coffee grounds and you can predict the future. <laughs> So at least for the <laughs> evening or for the next week to come. So, Hisham, in your spare time, do you read the Turkish coffee grounds? We have to know this. Are you a, an expert on this? Is this a yeah, side I business that SAP doesn't know about? Yes. <laughs> well, we have to get you and Peter together in some city with the Turkish coffee, the coffee grounds, and the Italian pastries. I think we have a party brewing here. Very, very interesting. Michelle, I can't ask you to top that, but we've got two wow coffee stories here. So what are you drinking? Where are you today, Michelle Serrier, and what time? I'm actually in my office in uh, in uh, in the middle of Germany, like uh, Peter said. Um, which is uh, vibrant but not very noisy, uh, to refer to what Hisham was saying. And I'm, I'm actually drinking today a glass of water. But I, and I was actually thinking about saying that I'm, what I'm drink, drink, dreaming about is uh, the, the Singapore sling that I'm going to do tonight when I go home. But actually, I, I thought about something that we did with Hisham a few years ago, and uh, because you were asking about topping this. It's mm-hmm. basically um, what I would dream of is actually redo the couscous evening that we had a few years ago with, uh, with Hisham. Well, you have to tell us more. What couscous evening? Where was this? Who was there? And what was on the menu besides couscous? Well, it, uh, couscous is a, is a North African specialty. Most of the people believe it's a French one because that's probably where most restaurants are. But it's actually really a, um, a North African uh, specialty. And probably Hisham can explain it better than me. And a few years ago, we uh, actually at my place, we uh, cooked it together. And uh, Hisham made sure that we, we got the, the, the primary ingredient you, you need from his home country. And we, we basically cooked that for a, for a bunch of people at that time. Um, and it was fun. I bet it was fun. I just got a comment from Brad Comer. Our engineer made a comment, Michelle, in the, the Skype chat here. He said, couscous, a dish so nice they named it twice. Couscous. <laughs> Brad, you're part of the show now. Thank you very much. Gentlemen, this has been a very, really fun opening, but we have some very serious business to talk about. After the break, we're going to come back after a 90-second very quick break, and Peter Mittemeyer is going to help me start the roundtable. We're going to be talking about things like the Internet of Things and business model-based management, all kinds of interesting topics. We have a global audience, and we're talking to all of you out there, regardless of where you are. Certainly an international panel today. Very excited to have them all on board.
board. So our topic today is, wait for it, wait for it, video killed the radio star. No, not me. I'm still here alive and well, evolving your business model. And we're going to find out what in the heck this all means. You're listening to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers Radio, presented by SAP. This is Season 2 of our very exciting series, sponsored by Monsieur Serrier. So there, we'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Bread out. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, and business networks and supply chains are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Innovating Innovation with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. We are, as the man said, we're innovating innovation. That's exactly what we're doing. My special panel today, three people who happen to know each other well, a lot of background, and I'm looking forward to a very vibrant roundtable. Peter Mittemeyer, Dr. Hisham Maya, and Michelle Sirier have joined together, and we're talking today about Video Killed the Radio Star. Not me. Evolving your business model. That's our key topic today. Peter Mittemeyer, I have designated you as the honoree to help me start the roundtable. I'm looking at a couple of topics here in your notes, and let me just read two sentences and have you run with it. You say, to look at technology as technology will not make any difference to your business, but to look at technology as a business opportunity will. So let's take the tech approach, getting into our topic of evolving your business model. Peter, why don't you start us off, please? Thank you. Yeah, the the point I'm I'm trying to to start here is that a lot of businesses um, introducing technology um, more, or they used to introduce technology for its own sake. So technology, um, especially in the information technology in the IT software business, was somehow self-explanatory so far. It's, it's especially for SAP. So if you uh, took some of our um, supply chain solutions, for example, and, and handed it to a supply chain manager, he knew what to do with it. With a new technology, which is more platform-based, um, you need to add a business model or business value to it because it's not there at the beginning. Um, basically, going back to the Internet of Things, you can connect almost any device in the in the world now, um, which is already there, and they're getting more and more connected. But for the sake of connecting the devices and for the sake of collecting all the data they generate, 
Um, that is not going to make any of your customers buy any more of your products. You need to add a value you can derive from these opportunities, from these technologies. And um, a lot of uh, equipment manufacturers are thinking already into this direction. So um, uh, companies who um, produce engines, jet engines, who produce cars, the connected car is a, is a big topic. They are all looking and developing um, additional services to these products that make sense for the, for the uh, consumer and for their customers. And if you look at technology, as a technology, all you do is collect data. But if you look at technology as a business opportunity, you will be able to enhance the value proposition of your product, of your services that you offer, and will um, grow your business and develop completely new business models and uh, start a transformation process even. Thank you, Peter. I'm going to add one more statement to this part of your discussion before we invite Hisham and uh, and Michelle, to join you. You say 50% of the Internet of Things solutions in 2018. I know this is predicting, which is the end of the show, the crystal ball segment, but I want to bring this up. <clears throat> you say will be delivered by startups less than three years old. This also applies to business models. This year, 2015, your competitor has just switched on the lights in his garage. You have to make sure they don't switch off your light in three years' time. Sounds like a lot of pressure, Peter. Can you just add some comments about this? Yes, it does sound like a lot of pressure, and it is a lot of pressure. And if you look at one of the, the um, examples I always use for this is, is, for example, Uber. Uber is this taxi um, model that came up with a pure digital opportunity for people to call taxis or call a car in that case. And... Um, without even setting up a whole company. It's just a, a shared economy idea. Um, that didn't exist three, four years ago. Um, it was some, a person um, inventing an app, inventing an idea, and he got a lot of um, venture capital money from very, very big companies, and he's basically now made his own rules, or they are making their own rules in the, in the taxi business. And that didn't exist three years ago. So if you take that and think about um, other um, industries, um, the, the barriers of in, uh, entering a market have been lowered so much by technology that mm-hmm. um, you don't need a huge m- amount of asset and investments. You can do it with an idea. You can do it with a, a development capability and mm. in, enter a market and take this market very quickly. So within three, four years, business models might be there that you haven't even foreseen. So how can you compete as a company at the moment when you don't even know who you're competing against uh, in the next three years? Very interesting. This reminds me of the quote Michelle Serrier brought up in the opening segment from Anatole France. To accomplish great things, you must not only act but also dream, not only plan but believe. Uh, the person who invented or brought to, the, brought to reality Uber was dreaming and believing acting and planning. I think it's all there on the table. And you know, there's even a new vocabulary word called Uberization that's being thrown all over the place in terms of business models. Thank you, Peter. Hashem, yeah, Dr. Hashem Maya, I want to bring you into this conversation. Thoughts on what Peter just shared with us, please? Yes, I absolutely agree with with Peter. And I I see two two main elements uh, that I would like to comment. So first of all Mm -hmm. is... uh, the, the way how, how, how we address things will, will be different. So uh, 
uh, as Peter said, what, what is really the, the potential that technology offers today? So it's no longer that, in, like in the traditional world, that business is ahead and technology is following. I think with the new technology, with the platform, with the Internet of Things, we, we are able really now to create a complete new business models and create complete new value chains that were not possible before. So this, the technology really, in this case, not just an enabler, but the technology triggers completely new ideas in, in the business. So it's, it's a change in, in, in paradigm. So that's why also my quote that said that we need to change the way we think. So it's also no longer the classical way as it was done before that we just have a, a value chain that is defined that mainly led by a supply chain manager who executes some planning and, and, uh, and production and, and, and shipping and, and, and the entire logistics chain. In this case, we completely can turn this around and build value chains completely from scratch, completely independent of what really exists in the factory so far, and, and uh, create complete new business model based on a, on a vision that was not, was not being possible to, to, to create before. Why is this possible? Because we are decoupling, we are completely decoupling the physical chain of manufacturing and the value chain before. So we can design the chain and it can even completely outsource you know, even create a virtual capacity for manufacturing like you do for cloud computing, for instance, and you have two completely different areas. So you have complete freedom of defining your value chain. Of course, you need to have a business case behind, but this is, this is easier to do as before. You're not limited by existing assets anymore. So this is the, uh, the possibility that technology offers today and which is tightly linked to business, but it helps business to create complete new things. And the second is talking about the competition that uh, existing companies, big companies are going to face. This competition will come from, really, as Peter said, from, from, from all sides, yeah, from startups, from spin-offs, and whatever small companies are going to compete with the big ones because you don't need a lot of investment in order to start and compete. And that's also what, how big companies should normally think about fostering the, uh, the idea of innovation and the culture of innovation. What is the best way of address and the innovation and staying competitive? Is it still the same organizational structure, the same processes that they've been doing today? Or they need to completely revolutionize the way they do innovation? Very interesting. When you're talking, I'm thinking that it's now the wild, wild west. That's what we used to call when there were no rules. Everybody had a gun. Everybody was part of something going out west, and the sky was the limit. The prairie was the limit. Everybody was a, <clears throat> excuse me, pushing the frontier. Am I right, Hashem? And and today, technology has brought that opportunity. As Peter was saying, uh, the startup in today, in three years, could change everything about your business. On the right track, yes? Absolutely. This is I completely agree with Peter on that. Thank you, Michelle Serrier. And, Michelle, I want to thank you for tweeting. I'm seeing some great quotes and comments coming over at hashtag SAP Radio. We love to have tweets during the show. I am retweeting everything, as you know. Michelle Serrier, comments on what your co-panelists have already shared with us. Thoughts? Uh, difficult to add something, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to do my best. So um, I, I think for me, um, these... Um, what we see, and, and this I see when we when we use uh, some things that we discussed earlier in some session uh, design thinking, is that we're we're um, decoupling totally the technology from um, what we want the customer to dream about, because as uh, um, both other panelists said, the technology doesn't it's it's uh, technology is at the core of what you want to realize at the end, 
but there is no limit. The, the limit may be the budget that you have as a customer, and that's why Hisham was referring to the business case. But when you, when you want to dream, to go back to what Anatole France was saying, then you, you should not set any limits to yourself. And, and given technology is really um, non-expensive, you can actually do proof of concept or, um, and not just paper mockups, but really something that can work and where you can realize if there is a demand. You can really realize this for, uh, um, for, um, um, for a few bucks, basically. I mean, I, I saw recently um, um, an interview of uh, someone that created in Spain um, a car for 5,000 euros. So it costed him 5,000 euros to create a car, which is not longer than a bicycle, and that is able to park in the same spot as a bicycle. And he was only able to do this because the automotive industry um, kind of uh, gave away uh, almost all the IP they have besides the brand um, to um, sub-manufacturers. And those sub-manufacturers now have all the cell and are able to um, to use all those components and can buy and allow, can allow anyone to uh, to build its own car, basically. So if you push that to the limit, it means that the same way that my daughter is now ordering about uh, through internet her um, pair of Nikes, she's probably going to be able in 10 years' time to compose her car and then just get it shipped through, uh, through Amazon. Wow. Exciting. Scary. It, it, we have no idea what's coming down the pike or down the, uh, down the Internet of Things highway. Very, very interesting. Thank you, Michelle. Uh, Peter Minimeyer, let me go back to you. Your colleagues have added some interesting thoughts on top of your topic. Anything you want to say before I move to something different? No, it's, uh, I, w- I would like to add something. It probably comes up anyway. The Internet of Things has moved the scope for companies um, and for the business model. Um, I, I always use a, an example from the agriculture business, really, um, just to, to make sure that I can explain the system of systems that has arrived already for the business model. Um, if you think about um, the agricultural business, um, companies like Fend or John Deere produce tractors forever. Now they uh, added a lot of sensors to the tractor and they made it a smart tractor. Um, so they connected then the smart tractor to the Internet and it's a connected tractor. That's old news. Um, but then they connected the tractor to the other machines you use in your farm, uh, combined harvester and uh, the fertilizer dispenser. And then you have a system uh, that you can manage with the data you create. And if you take this system and move it together with other systems like the uh, irrigation system that's going, if you uh, take the meteor system, fertilizing optimizer in there, you have a system of systems generating a huge amount of data you can use to optimize um, the productivity of the land you're you're, uh, working. And this is, for me, also a game changer. If you look at the long-term predictions, uh, shortage of water and food is amazingly um, a relevant topic. And if we can use technology as a system of systems to, to improve the productivity of, of the agricultural business, um, it would help immensely. And if companies who produce tractors start to think in systems of system where your product goes into, then they have a massive market and a massive opportunity to create business out of that. And that applies to the healthcare market just as well. 
Thank you, Peter. While you're speaking, I'm thinking that we shouldn't have the same types of problems of poor health care and bad water and lack of food and lack of uh, vaccinations going back to health care. With all this technology, all this connectivity, all the smart people in the world who dream and plan and act and believe, we should be able to wipe out the major civilization problems in a matter of years. Do you agree? It's so optimistic to me. Thoughts? I, I hope so. I'm a, I'm a hopeless enthusiast for these things, I know, and an optimist. But um, we have a chance. And, and complexity, as, as you said in the beginning, is one of the major cha- um, uh, problems that we face. And our job is to use technology to m- increase the simplicity of this, so to make them less complex and, and tackle these mm-hmm. complex problems with a smart, simple approach. And it's time that we all do that. Let's move on. Thank you very much, Dr. Hashem Maya. I'm looking at your notes here. I want to read a couple of statements and have you expand them for us. You, you say, as I said in the opening, we are in the fourth revolution in industry, the fourth industrial revolution, if you will. And you say the organizational structure to support this revolution needs to be very different to the line of business structure. And you say it needs to be based on the developed business model itself. And one more sentence, spinoffs might need to be la- to launch a new service or product in the fastest way. So if you have an idea, spin it off like the TV series do all the time. Oh, she's a great actress. Let's give her a spinoff. Oh, he's a good character. Let's give him his own series. So maybe the model of television uh, perpetuation of a good model needs to happen in business. So talk to me, Hashem. What's going on with the organizational structure? So uh, we mentioned that already in the, a few minutes ago when we were talking about uh, how can – really existing businesses, big companies, remain competitive in this new world where we just said we don't need that high budget in order to come up with new ideas. So uh, it's really about trying to uh, put the business model in the center of the, of the business itself. So meaning that if you're going to address a new challenge, if you're going to if you get an idea that you maybe have created inside your company, identified inside your company for a new business model that you cannot have this as part of your classical line of business structure. In, in order to gain speed, in order to gain independency of the everyday business, of course, that one needs to address in order to achieve also the uh, short-term and mid-term financial targets. One needs to really think about how to create a certain cross-cutting practice inside the, uh, the, uh, the organization, meaning a more project-oriented, a more project-oriented uh, structure where you have skills and, uh, and talents from the different departments, from the different areas, and even from outside the company who are going to work together in order to implement this business model. First to define it, to design it, and then to implement it. And this can only be possible if you don't work in silos, but that you, you have this more cross-culture focus on it. And I think what, what is important, this does not mean that this is something that needs to be done inside the company itself, but it can be also creating a startup or a spin-off outside of this company that runs in parallel and that focuses on creating the business model. And once it is brought to market and after, let's say, crossing the chasm of the first uh, step in order to, to become profitable, then it can be reintegrated again and help the company uh, use then the assets of the, of the company in order to, 
to, uh, to, to scale. So uh, this is one of, of the ideas how, uh, how innovation can be addressed by big companies and without losing uh, speed and without being exposed to the, uh, the complexity of the organization itself. And this also leads to the definition of new roles. They're talking about Internet of Things. So uh, what are the new roles? I think completely new, new skills are demanded in order to be able to create new, this new business model. So one can think about a value chain designer, which is at the same time need to be very, very strong in, in understanding the market, understanding the processes, understanding the business context, understanding also what are the mathematics behind this business model, how to implement this value chain using the uh, Internet of Things, or technically very, very uh, uh, skilled, in order to really to cover and, and, and design this value chain. You know, because this is not something that we can do with the skills that exist today. This is something that demands a very rigorous algorithm, mathematical approach. So a complete new, new skill set needs to be, to be created. And uh, this is something that often does not exist in such in, in, in companies. So even investing in recruiting new people with these skills or upskilling existing resources is also something that we will need to take into consideration. Thank you. Hisham, I have a question for you before we bring Michelle and Peter into the conversation. My question is, whose job is it to look at the business model and say, oh, my goodness, we're out of step, we're out of pace, we're out of sync with our industry, we're out of sync with what's happening in the world, with where our company needs to go? Who should be staying awake at night worrying about the fact that a business model may be stale and in great need of innovation, renovation, evolution, revolution? Hisham? I think on the first level, of course, the board, because this is something that absolutely demands board sponsorship. But also looking at the different line of businesses, and then you have a line of business head who doesn't look only at his own and sole line of business, but he needs to look out of the box and understand the need of the creation of a business model that might span several lines of businesses and, and, and even business partners outside the companies. So I think this is something that... Uh, uh, nearly everybody in the company needs, needs to think about. And that's why also if you think about the entire ideation process that involves employees of the company on all levels in order to help creating and fostering innovation is something that is very important. Thank you. Michel Serrier, join us. Thoughts? Yeah, yes. I, I could start with one that uh, there, is a, there is a trend which is saying that actually uh, by 2030, which is not that far away when we think about it, um, um, the, the, the young people, only 40% of them are going to be working for a, for a company in the sense, if you turn it around, that uh, um, company, even like the, the one we work for, um, are going to um, are going to work a lot more with uh, with uh, people that are be acting like employees but not working for you, and and therefore the whole piece on innovation and so on is going to um, to uh, to become a lot more. Um, interesting and complex um, b because you don't have then the same relationship with those people going back to what uh, Hisham was saying with new skills and it's really uh, new forms new forms of uh, the, the future of work and the, the whole work environment we're going to um, to see coming at us and it's only um, starting um, today and, and to add to the to the silo I think that uh, that as Hisham was saying it's uh, um, um, the companies that are going to um, work in silos are, are not going to be able to survive. 
you you need to find if you want to work in silos, then you need at least to find another level of granularity. Um, uh, in and mean, meaning also that the, the size of the company has to be bigger. Um, and on the but you need foremost to to uh, to collaborate internally in the company and also with your whole ecosystem, which is um, then turning into uh, business networks where you, you then have to find engagement models, which are a win-win for everyone that is involved, which makes business model even more complex. And, uh, and despite the fact that we're trying to structure the way we approach business models, it's, it's still a winning business model. is probably not something that can be a science. It's also still going to remain um, a bit of luck that you need to have. Thank you. Peter Mittermeier, thoughts? Yes, I'm, I'm going back to your, to your uh, initial question, who should be awake and worry about mm-hmm. the business model? And, and I would turn it around, and I said nobody should actually worry about it. Everybody should, as Hisham says, um, use their own knowledge and their own uh, creativity to, um, to create new value propositions that you can add to your business model. And I think business model management or business model-based management is... is um, a massive trend that will emerge. Um, being able to create and innovate, implement a business model is, is very important, but then it only starts. You have to operate it, you have to improve, and you have to improve and develop it and transform it in the end with, a, with new additions. So I think being, being worried about your business model is, is probably the right thing to do at the moment, but you have to change the worry into um, more creative, optimistic working on a whole hierarchy of business models um, that you can run within your company. And basically, this is what startups do. They come up with one business model, they implement it, they scale it, and they move on to the next one. So in, a, in company speak, you would have to have a, maybe a network, as Michelle um, described it, of, um, of people working on these new ideas, working on the additions and the developments of the new business model, and at some point hand it over to the operations, who will then run it, and they concentrate on the next one. So um, I agree with Michelle. Um, although I have a lot of questions about the future of work and this freelance culture, um, mm-hmm. but I agree that might be the, the only way to solve the, this dilemma of big companies. Thank you, Peter. Hisham, any comments on this topic before I move on to uh, something else in Michelle Serrier's notes, please? Not, no, not from my side. I think everything is said, and a lot of other topics, of course, would emerge from our discussion today. And Absolutely. I think this could be a topic on its own, really, to discuss about the future of, of the organization, also the future of, of delivering the job and delivering the business model. I think that's a hint to Michel Serrier that he might want to bring this panel back for later in the season, Michelle. I think you've got a, a good panel here with lots of great ideas. But, Michelle, in the meantime, we have, let's see, we've got uh, 14 minutes left, plenty of time on live radio. Michelle Serrier, I'm looking at your notes. A couple of key topics just jump out at me. Let me read them, and then I'll ask you to expand. You say, today, companies have to radically revolutionize themselves every few years just to stay relevant. This is a tweetable moment, Michelle, and I'm going to tweet it. But more than that, you say, the fact is inventing an innovative business model is often mostly a matter of serendipity. And that's a quote, I believe, from Gary Hamill. And then you add the revenue flowing through the share economy. We've been talking about that. That's Uber. Directly into people's wallets will surpass $3.5 billion this year with growth exceeding 25%. A lot of innovation in disruption and revolutionizing, not even evolutionizing, revolutionizing in these three sentences. Michelle, you want to tell me a little more, please? 
Ja, uh, ik doe mijn best. Um, okay. I, 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 I mean, I think what we're, what we're seeing now, I mean, when I started to work like uh, 20, 26 years ago at SAP, it was a much smaller company, which when, when I started was having a product that was already uh, 15 years old and which I, I saw still another three years. Then uh, we went into what we called uh, three, which uh, started 91 and ended sometime 2003, 2005 uh, and so on. The, the the pace of innovation is increasing, um, and and it's going to in, increase again. And up to now, it was you were making the difference just by um, leveraging another technology, a quicker technology, more CPU, and whatever. And this is not enough anymore. We the, the companies we're um, the, uh, the three of us are, are, are working with. Um, when we're not at SAP, but uh, within SAP, is the same thing. Is actually that we, you, you cannot just develop the next product. If you want to make sure that you're still going to be there tomorrow, you also need to come up with new business models with uh, the services that go with it. And the services world is also uh, being revolutionized um, just because of the cloud. If you think of it, um, and and that's going to increase. If I if I take the third statement that I was making with the, the sharing economy, this is also going to have at some point in time an, an impact on the the traditional economy that uh, that that we know, and is going to have an impact on um, on uh, why wouldn't you share also the technology, um, and not just the. Uh, um, and the last one, which is on this, that's what I was referring to with the. Um, with the quote of Gary Hamel, is um, independently um, of how we, we, we are trying to push the, the, the ways that the business model is, uh, is something that you always need to think about um, moving forward, um, uh, independently of how well you structure it and you have a process, um, there will still be a, um, a bit of a need to find the right one and, and then be uh, successful. And, and luck is not something you can always control. Uh, but obviously, going back to what I was saying with Anatole France, if you don't try, there is the, it's like in the lottery. If you don't play, there is no chance for winning. That's right. A dollar in a dream. <laughs> means an awful lot more now. And that may be all it takes for dreaming and planning and believing. Peter Minnemeyer, you want to come in on the, the plethora of topics we just covered? Michelle, thank you for addressing all of my questions. <laughs> P- Peter, it's a dealer's choice. Pick anything you want to talk about. We're going to move in. In about four minutes, we're going to go into our predictions round, which I think we've really been covering all along during the show. But Peter, you want to come in on anything Michelle shared, please? Yeah, I, I, I share the view on the on, the, um, and I would like to to come up with another quote on that. It's the the Red Queen in uh, Lewis Carroll's through the Looking Glass, who says, "It takes all the running you can do just to stay in the same place." So I think we're at a at a at a point now in in business where running is not just enough because it basically just means you stay in the same place. So we have to learn to fly, and just to get on. And I think always about the music industry and how technology changed the music industry so many times and um, how that speed increased. If you look at the, the vinyl um, uh, paradigm, it, it lasted about 100 years, where, how music was produced, how it uh, was copied, how it was distributed and consumed. And that was uh, taken um, by MPEG-3, uh, 100 years after they started. And MPEG-3 went on to the CD, which lasted about... 20 years, I think. Um, then there came the whole um, on-demand technology through iTunes, and that lasted about five years. And now we're on the streaming technology. And 
what comes next in two years on, in this area is, is really unknown to us. And uh, the, the music industry really, they let a computer company take the market because they were so busy running, staying in the same place, that they completely overlooked the possibilities um, MPEG-3 and the peer-to-peer networks presented to them. They perceived it as a threat rather than an opportunity. They were fighting piracy rather than trying to, because they owned the catalog, uh, use it as a new way to develop um, to develop a distribution channel. A great example, Peter. Great example. Everybody can relate to that. Uh, do you still have vinyl? No. <laughs> I'm thinking of going back to it. <laughs> If, if they say that's the only way to go, I still have, well, I have a very packed front closet here in my home office, but I'll tell you, if I look underneath all the old paint cans, I know, get rid of those, Bonnie, no rags, though. If I look underneath all the papers and the FedEx envelopes and all of the whatever I've got in there, there is an entire shelf of vinyl LPs from way back in the day. But I learned, sadly, that uh, people were getting rid of them, and you can't even couldn't even sell them on eBay if you had great stuff. I went to a, I don't know if you're aware in Europe, but we have something called the garage sales, and churches have rooms, mm-hmm. some churches and temples, bazaars, where people bring things they don't want anymore, and they sell them to other people. It's, you know, recycling all your CRAP. Uh, I was able to pick up some phenomenal old music sets of boxes with 10 or 12 records in them from way back, opera and all kinds of interesting show tunes for for a dollar a piece because nobody wanted them. But vinyl may be coming back. Great example, Peter. You can come and listen to all my vinyl. I think I even have a turntable somewhere in the same closet. Hishem Maya, Dr. Maya, why don't you comment on this before we move into the predictions round? Any thoughts? I think uh, uh, very interesting word Peter mentioned is, is really about running. So, uh, so it's mm-hmm. and this is exactly what what we see. But uh, companies need to run, of course, but which direction? So that's why speeding up, but not <laughs> yes. in the same direction they're they are doing. You know? But uh, as, as we mentioned before, so what is the real structure of uh, an innovative company, you know, and which so creating and being able to speed up and to accelerate by creating startups that work in parallel to the company. This is, I think, the, the direction which this company needs to run and run very fast because being, being fast is exactly what counts. Yes, fast, and we're going to get rid of all that complexity, and we're going to have a goal of simplicity. Yes, we are, and speed is going to be the order of the day. Great great comment there, uh, Dr. Hashem They need to run faster, but not sure in what direction. Eventually, they have to find that out. Uh, Michelle Syria, any comments since these were your topics we brought up? Anything in closing? Because I have to move to predictions very quickly now. So, Michelle, any wrap-up comments on these topics? No, 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 not really. I have to admit, they uh, they uh, they said everything. I have to. I I had to say. I was a, a great topics today. Okay. Yes, very great topics, and thank you for putting this together. I'll do my thank yous in a moment. Peter Mittermeier, let's focus on the future. I love the year 2020. You don't have to like 2020 as much as I do. It's only five years away. But if we met again at that time, Peter, look into the crystal ball. I know you dusted it off before the show. What is your focus in the future, and what would you like to predict for this topic of evolving the business model? How fast will companies need to run at what point in the future? I'm going to give you one minute. Yeah, why don't we Take one minute each for predictions. So, Peter Mittermeier, go. My prediction is that business model-based management has become the leading uh, management principle in 2020. And actually, the 
design school has um, caught up with a business school in importance to train people who come out into the out of school into the marketplace into the business that have uh, skills and have capabilities and a mindset that enables companies also big companies to to work as a network and um, beat the innovators dilemma and actually create disruptive um, innovation uh, repeatedly on a sustainable basis. Okay, good prediction. Thank you very much. Let's turn to Dr. Hishem Maya, and why don't you give us your predictions? So I see that in the next years, the role of Internet of Things will be more and more important, and uh, the devices which are talking already to each other today, they will have the right algorithms in order to completely orchestrate themselves from the moment the customer orders a certain product until the moment it's directly shipped to him without nearly no human interaction except the most important part, which is the relationship built between the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the company that sells the product and the, the customer, meaning create continuing with a direct relationship. But the entire, uh, the entire process will be automated. And I see also a complete separation between the companies who will design the product and the companies who will be renting manufacturing capacity in a virtual way. So this decoupling, I see this coming more and more, and hence also creating complete new products, complete new value chains, and uh, serving the customers much more better than today. Well, customers would like that very, very much. So thank you very much for that optimistic look ahead. Michelle Serrier, well, we have – I can give you a whole two minutes for your predictions because your <laughs> colleagues on the panel were so concise. So you can say thank you, Hisham, and thank you, Peter. Michelle, take a full two minutes for your – this never happens. Usually the third panelist gets less time. But go ahead, Michelle. Thoughts on wrapping up, please? you got two minutes. Go. Yep. I'll, I'll try to go with, then with, uh, with two predictions. Uh, um the, the, I think that that actually, um, when we spoke during the, um, the during the, the last hour, we basically looked at the business model. We talked about uh, process innovation, about uh, product innovation, service innovation, and the combination. We also talked about um, collaboration and not working in silos. And uh, that's actually my my prediction. I believe that uh, um, in in 2020 we will actually see that the, those whole um, business model, model innovation. Or business model-based innovation is actually really going to work um, in a collab- in a collaborative way, like the shared economy um, is actually working. And to um, uh, to use one example that, uh, that the idea I came up with uh, um, with Amazon and having my daughter ordering a car, I think by 2020 we should actually be able to um, to order through Amazon. A car, so kind of a make-to-order through Amazon, uh, which yeah. then you can, which is not an Amazon car, but actually pieces of a BMW that you get and that you can then uh, build yourself at home, like we used to do at the time. If you remember, like 15 years ago, you could order um, PCs. Um, there was a, there was a brand which was uh, I don't remember the name that was where you could actually order the PC and you were building it yourself. And you wow. order the components. And I think we're going to be able in five years to do the same thing with car, or maybe 10 years um, at most. 
That'll be interesting, Michelle. You say to your, your daughter, uh, so how was your day? She said, well, I just ordered a car. It's going to be here in three days. We're going to have a Beamer engine. We're going to have a Cadillac grill. No, she wouldn't do that. We're going to have a Jag grill. We're going to have a, a rear end from a Prius so we can pretend it's a hybrid. We can do all kinds of things. Dad, make room nope. in the garage. The car is coming. I, I can only imagine. I have to do a shout-out to our, our frequent and loyal listener, Karen Geraldo, who I just tweeted to her that we were live on the air and she started listening and she tweeted a photo everybody be sitting down for this one of a of a turntable with a vinyl LP on it and I can read the label it's from Decca Records D E C C A this was from yes. my era growing up in the rock and roll early years the start of rock and roll <laughs> Karen you have brought back my panel's way too young to know this Karen and you're way too young but thanks for the memories Karen I'm looking and I say I have to go in the class and see if I have any Decca Records maybe Karen wants to buy them from me I don't know it's time for me to do predictions because we're out of time and I predict that this panel was great I predict that Michelle's going to invite them back including Michelle Serrier, the sponsor of this series. And I predict that this is the end of my broadcast week here on Voice America World Talk Radio, but I can predict that next week we'll be back with at least five hours of our wonderful series. We'll have a new Digital World with Game Changers next week, a new Game Changing Women. You don't want to miss that one. A new Coffee Break with Game Changers and a new, let's see who's going to be on, Meet the Visionary Game Changers. Great series. Thank you, Peter Mittemeyer. Thank you, Dr. Hashem Maya. Thank you, Michelle Serrier. Such a pleasure to speak with all of you and to our and Paul Hobcraft, good to see you tweeting at hashtag SAP Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Those of you in the U.S., enjoy your long Memorial Day weekend. Try not to work. I will be, but so what? Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Thank you, Brad and the Business Channel team. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.